Generative artificial intelligence, which complements human capabilities, augments creativity, and drives progress in various fields, has emerged to be one of the most promising technologies of late. In this B-Side episode, multimedia editor RJL Balinbin discusses generative AI's capabilities with David R. Hardoon, Chief Data and AI Officer at Union Bank of the Philippines and Chief Executive Officer of Aboitis Data Innovation. For today, for business world, of course, we have business audience here and they want to know what kind of business problems would this generative AI specifically address? So let's take a step back because we always kind of, we're hearing the term generative AI, generative AI. How is it different from AI? What does it mean? What is it really? The way I like to approach it, and by no means is this the gospel truth or anything, but the way I like to approach it is think of it as a librarian. What is a librarian? When you go to the library, you ask, where is this book? And they'll point you in a direction. We're saying, I'm looking for something on this thing, on this. And they're like, oh, what you're really interested in is this that's over there in this shelf, in this corner. And the really good ones will even tell you which chapter to focus on. That's what generative AI is. It's effectively solving the problem of knowledge management. Of I have this tons of files, uh, minutes of meetings. I have information that's available, FAQs manuals of maintenance. What is really relevant to me? What is it that I'm looking for? How can I pull that information? That's what's generative AI. It's a layer of knowledge management. Now, knowledge management isn't new. We've, we've all heard about it. We all spoke. Many of us have tried opportunities with it. What makes it particularly exciting is now suddenly you can have a conversation. You can ask a question that you don't have to wear, worry too much, excuse me, the underlying semantics of you have to ask it this way, otherwise you don't get the response. You can just say, I'm looking for this information or the boss has asked me to find something that's relevant for this and it will go away and find it. And in fact, you can even have fun with it. And he said, can you also give me the response as if you're a pirate? And he'll do it. This is what it is. So when you think about the opportunities, it is everything to do with productivity, everything to do with managing information, accessing information, and distilling knowledge to be used in anything and everything you can think of. So which industries can benefit from it right now? Oh, right now. So I can tell you off the top of the back because it's something that we've been playing around with internally. Travel. No promotion here. I'm just sharing an actual example. Uh, we built something called a travel buddy because a lot of times when you go to a different place or you go to a new town, you don't know what to look at. And you'll, you know, you'll search online or you ask a travel agent and so forth. So we literally build something that you say, well, I'm going to Manila. I'm going to spend here two days. I'm a private person. I'm, I'm interested in artistic information. I'm vegetarian. I'm vegan. Or I have a keto diet or whatnot. And it will automatically build you an itinerary and give you recommendations. You can think of, if I put the bank hat, something that always drives me nuts is, you know, you go to a bank page and you have like, like literally 20 different credit cards. Which is the right one? You can now just ask a question. I am a person that does this. I like spending at malls or I travel a lot. Recommend to me, given my lifestyle, what really would be the relevant thing for me? It says, actually, what you're interested in is this and this one. And you can choose. Those are concrete examples. And another concrete example is the one I actually mentioned earlier about manuals. If you look at some of, uh, and I know the topic earlier was about energy. If you look at some of these manuals of, uh, of you know, boiler equipments and all that, they're, they're, they're pretty hefty. Now, you have people with extreme domain knowledge, but are you sure you haven't missed something? What happens if the manual's been updated? Tell me, given this issue that we're facing, where should I focus on? Or 
where is the most relevant um, uh, recommendation on rectification? There you go. You want to look at these areas. And then, of course, the one which the bosses love is summarization. When you have a meeting, even now, just listening to me, you can literally have a chat GPT running in the background and simply go to yourself like, you know what, David is lovely. I, I, I'm a nice guy. But actually, I'm, 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 I'm chatting some of the stuff. Once I'm done, can you just give me the five bullet points of what David said? So I'd avoid this just to have, you know, more specific example. How does this apply to your company? In exactly those elements. Yeah. So we're summarizing meetings that are sent automatically after the meeting is done to the people that participants. We're getting bullet points on what needs to be done. When you're thinking about customers in terms of identifying what are the potential rectifications or recommendation on resolutions, what I mentioned earlier in terms of uh, the manuals of maintenance, that's another example. The travel buddy, we're actually testing it right now and we're going to bring it out. Those are concrete examples of productivity, concrete examples of how we are using it. Okay, I think this question has been asked a hundred times. A critical question. Should we anticipate this technology replacing millions of jobs? Yes, it's been asked a lot. Now, let me start off answering that question by an acknowledgement that I am biased in terms of my view and my perspective towards AI. Having said that, yes, we should be worried, but at the same time, we shouldn't. And let me explain to you my, my, uh, my kind of uh, cop-out answer. We shouldn't be worried because in the end of the day, look at every single revolution. From the Luddites back in the 1917 with, you know, the weaving, same thing, it said it's going to be the end, we're not going to have any jobs anymore, to mobile phones, to internet. I mean, what's it? Search engine optimization. If you'd ask someone, oh, I'm looking for an SEO optimizer, they'll be like, what the heck is that? If you asked that before 2000. Now, prompt engineering. So... My optimistic, I'm pragmatically optimistic side is we shouldn't be worried. What we should be worried about is another person with the knowledge and the skill sets that we don't have. But that's an evergreen truth. If someone comes along that is better equipped, better skilled, better, better knowledgeable, that's how progress happens. And that's actually where we should be thinking about generative AI. How does it help us be more effective in our job? How does it help us in terms of identifying what's relevant. How do we uh, are able to leverage our own domain expertise? Now, remember, generative AI, however exciting and amazing it is, is still limited to the information that, in fact, at the end of the day, we've created. It's sitting on top of everything that we've done. It's, like I said, it's a librarian. It's a cool librarian, but it's a librarian. You never think those two words will come together, but it's a cool librarian, but it's a librarian. What it can't do is it can't suddenly go, even though all the factual information is telling me one way, I actually think I'm going to do that. That degree of creativity. And someone would jump and say, like, oh, but David, have you seen all the amazing artistic stuff that came out from Dali and all that? Absolutely. But did you see the response from, I think it was Canon or Kodak, I can't remember which one of the two. Have you seen that? Honest to God, I had goosebumps. They showed as a response to the uh, auto-generated imagery, human-taken photography. It was amazing. So that's where I get very optimistic and why I say we shouldn't worry because it is, one, a tool that is to help us push the boundaries to be even better. But it is our responsibility to want to be better. If you sit down saying like, no, nope, I'm not going to learn, I'm not going to improve, I'm not going to change, you might find yourself doing something different. Yeah, I, I want to I know what your observation is. Um, how is it received in the Philippines? What do you think? I think it's received with excitement. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but at least the conversations I've had, 
excitement. And also to put it in the context of the Philippines, I mean, remember, one of the first adopters, you know, people have like on average two mobile phones, you know, Facebook was massive adoption here. There is ultimately an inert adoption for technology and new things actually in the Philippines. So they need to have that underlying perception. And now suddenly, it's the ability to leapfrog a lot of technological incremental steps that may have been needed to done previously. For example, in terms of, oh, we now can potentially use this to support us in developing fundamental code. And, and just to share, so this was public, this was done by uh, OCBC Bank in Singapore. Uh, they've adopted it very broadly. And one of the applications that they're using it is in code generation and code review. Now, that's something that companies can use by saying, wow, I can accelerate my own digital agenda and my own journey in using such a tool that gives me the effectivity and the productivity of one person suddenly becomes 10, essentially. So my take is interest, excitement, but perhaps still a question of, but how do we exactly use it? Yeah, exactly. And how do you think should the government and the private sector like you collaborate to, you know, enjoy the benefits of this technology? So there are two layers to this. One layer is in terms of adoption. Um, and I'm, I'm a big advocate. I mean, uh, my prior role was, was within the government in Singapore is just like private sector companies need to progress, also the government does. And I believe there's immense opportunities. I mean, think about it fundamentally in a broad stroke, the citizen government interaction is about services. Now suddenly there's an ability of how to make it more fluid, more interactive, better understanding. But then there's another layer, which I think is critically important, which is of trust, governance. Well, I don't want to use the word ring fencing, but understanding the path that you want to take for the context of the Philippines. And that's the role of the government. That's the role of a legislator. That's the role of a regulator. It's not a matter of right or wrong, but it's a matter of saying, this is where we want to go. This is how we want to go. And that's where the conversation, sometimes discourse, in the private and the public sector needs to happen. And we acknowledge, of course, that there are risks, right? So what's most concerning about safety in the use of generative AI? Yeah, well, if you specifically focus on generative AI, I mean, it's, it's I think the quote-unquote loving term that's been attacked to it is hallucination. But then again, hallucination is nothing different from, let's say we have a conversation, and I ask you a relatively specific question on a topic that you generally know. You may say to me, David, I don't know, or you will try and give me an answer that may have some creativity added into it. So you can argue that, oh, you're also hallucinating. But that's also the case with the Gen AI. It's, it's what it's doing. Okay, remember, it's a librarian knowledge management. And then if I go really geeky for a second, all it's doing is doing a recommendation. It's actually predicting the next word. So it's trying to do its best capability with the information that's available to it. A, it might get it wrong, and B, the information that it's using may be also not entirely correct or accurate. So how do you know? That is the risk. Now, to already answer the question in terms of how you address it, there have been various attempts and means of addressing it. One is curtailing the flexibility of generative AI, and I think you found it in, like, if you try chat GPT, you just simply say, I can't answer you, or in some scenarios, they say, I don't know, so this becomes more domain-specific, that's number one. And number two is being very transparent on the sources of information that are being used to respond. So if you're saying, well, I don't trust this source or I disagree with this source, you can potentially discount the answer. So I can trust that 
the generative AI, the system would not answer this kind of question. How can I create bombs? Right? That's a harmful question. Would AI answer that question? Well, that's exactly the problem. It would. Because, you see, we're, we're applying, when you ask me that question, obviously, well, hopefully, you know, I'm able to start thinking downstream. Like, what are you planning to do with it? How are you going to use it? We're thinking of it in a broader context. A machine simply takes it as, as if you just asked it, how do I make lemonade? It's a, how do I do it? Dot, dot, dot. And you'd be like, well, this is how you build a Molotov cocktail. So this is where that difficulty and the risk of how you curtail that potential harm, whereby, yes, you can ask that question, but no, you should not get the answer. Because we don't know what you may do with it, and we do not want to have that kind of information and know-how available everywhere. It's a difficulty area. And if you look again in terms of how uh, ChatGPT specifically has approached it, is that they will identify the prompt, and they'll just say, okay, this is the prompt. We just say, we can't answer you. But then human creativity kicks in, and we change the way we ask to the point that it can answer it. So this is where we need to kind of start identifying what kind of source of information do we provide. So maybe we just stop the source so it can't answer because it doesn't have the information. It doesn't know. Versus a scenario whereby it has a very strong even AI capability of saying, well, look, I'm, I'm sorry, due to the potential things that you can do, I'm not allowed to answer you. So what do you think should developers be doing right now too? You know, is there a need for... AI developers to collaborate with policymakers to Absolutely. regulate all these things. 100%. So, so, so let me take we need a, guidelines when we do. We do. Let me take an example. And I, I say this openly. So, when I was a you know, student and a researcher back in 2000, forget generative AI, even the question of discrimination, that just wasn't in our lexicon. And it's not because we were a bunch of bad people. It just wasn't there. We were, you know, we're researchers. We're trying to create these cool gadgets that can predict this forecast and all that. It was the conversations with the policymakers and the realization of, hold on a second, you need to think about this stuff. And which then suddenly the developers going, oh, that's a good point. We need to think about this stuff. How do, and then that path takes away, goes, goes in on to code. Now, exactly the same thing now, when as a developer, when I'm building this oracle and phenomenal tool that can build a solution in terms and provide recommendation and provide insight and knowledge, you need to be cognizant of these potential risks, essentially. How do we make sure we control for them? How do we put them in play? But people always used to ask me, and, and still do, but isn't this a contradiction? It's like, oh, the governance cartels innovation. Of to do innovation, you can't have governance. I heartily disagree. Heartily disagree with that. And I always say, while it may be seen as a seesaw, it isn't. Because innovation happens in good governance. There's an element of learning whereby I may not realize that this is something that I need to control. That's something, that's something separate. That's not, a, that's not a, a, a conflict. That's just a, a matter of learning and appreciation. But in the end of the day, uh, researchers, developers, corporates which are driving initiatives and digitalization, the best form of creativity is in governance. I'm sure you've heard this term. I'm sure we've all of it heard of it. Junk in, junk out. So you can have the most amazing generative AI, the most amazing predictive capability. If fundamentally it's not done with the governance, the structure and the capability, how can you use it? Is there actually an agreement among you guys from the private sector that there must be an ethical guidelines, a set of ethical guidelines for the use of generative AI? Well, I, I probably won't speak for the name of the whole industry. And I, I, I maybe, maybe half-cheekily, I would say there's a spiritual agreement. 
I think in a practicality level, it slightly starts to differ. Some, such as ourselves, would in fact go and say, you know what, I'm not even going to wait for you to regulate me. I'm just going to do it. Granted, I may be missing certain things, they may not be perfect, but I'm just going to assume it's a regulatory requirement and I'm going to subject myself to it. Some may say, yes, it's a good thing, we should do it, but we're going to wait. And some will take a different approach. So we're all there. I would believe it'll be very hard for you to find someone who would say that we don't need these kind of controls. We do not need these kind of appreciations and understanding of risks. What you would may find essentially is that perhaps discourse on how to do it. And this is exactly where the policymakers, the government, the, the, the regulators need to come in because, quite frankly, they set the standard. Are you seeing efforts right now? Yes, of course. Like, of course. What, what are you exactly involved in related oh, to that? Locally, regionally, and internationally. There are efforts across the board from, obviously, with MPC, BSP, if you look from a government point of view, the efforts in terms from a regional perspective on APAC. If you even go in a broader sense internationally, I, this is a topic that no one at any level cannot, be, cannot afford to not be involved in it. Because on the one hand, we want to reap the value, the benefits. Again, data and AI isn't done for the sake of data and AI, unless you're a researcher. It's done for the sake of, and let me call a spade a spade, revenue, operational efficiency, and risk management. And those outcomes are tangible, excuse me, and they're real. And concurrently, I don't know a business that, you know, you know, is a, well, actually, I have a funny, I have a cowboy hat, goes a cowboy says, you know, yippee-ki-yay, and, you know, just like, no, it's, it's a core element of governance, compliance, risk management, control. The two have to go together. So I'll be very surprised if you will not see those two happening today in one form or another. So if the government and the private sector, private sector like you, could do something right now to protect the people from the harmful, you know, usage of AI, what is it? I believe it's already in it's progress. Because when you're saying to protect the people from the harmful use of AI, it, it sounds more uh, menacing than it really is. Because if you think about the vast majority of industries we're dealing with, they're all regulated. Number two, you already have privacy, which again is data. It's the core element of it. So now essentially is a saying, regardless of whether you're using AI or not using AI, these control, these policies, these requirements of consent, privacy, risk management are applicable. A very simple example, whether you, and I'll use a banking one because I think it's the simplest one on the top of my head, whether you're building a credit risk scoring using traditional, you know, five Cs or whether you're building it with an AI solution, you still have to subject it to the exact same requirements. You may come and say, oh, but David, the additional stuff that you need to add because of AI, let's start with that. That's the way I would approach it. That's the way to me the government immediately could already provide that trust and comfort that these mitigations and controls to provide the, 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 the value of AI and mitigation of the risks is happening today. And it, in my view, it's a relatively, relatively an easy step. Is there, is there a need for transparency when it comes to the use of AI? Like, let's talk about content online. Do we have to be transparent that this is an AI-generated content? Do we have to state that explicitly? 100%. Why? 100%. Just like when you walk down a, a road in the CCTV and it says, this area is surveilled in a CCTV. When you make a phone call to a call center, what does it say? This call may be recorded. 100%. It's, you just simply are. There's nothing to hide. And that's why I find funny when people say like, oh, but why do we... 
do you have something to hide? <laughs> I'm proud of it. In fact, on the contrary, I want to tell people that now I may be providing you an opportunity that you may have not had before. But it's important because if for whatever reason people feel that, oh, but I want to know more details, or I'm not sure, or can I speak, and I'm, I'm guilty to this, when I call and I hear the, the, the robotic one, like, can I speak, speak to a human? There's an opportunity to have an engagement. In the end of the day, the way you build trust is through transparency. It's as simple as that. So 100%. Okay, to end this conversation, sir, can you paint a picture for us? What role do you foresee for humans and <laughs> businesses maybe 10 years from now in a world where AI is prevalent? Okay, and I'll try and keep it short. Two th yeah, it's flashing in front of me. Uh, two things. One, it's about augmented intelligence. So we need to dream, research, create, and deploy solutions that are designed to augment us. You should not be thinking of it of replacing people. It, it, it's a very important mindset. So it's the mindset. That's number one. Number two, it's now the ability for people, humans, to shine in where they're phenomenal at. Be creative. When I look at someone that does a process and it's literally watching click, click, and you're like, why are you doing that? You should let a machine do that. You should be the one imagining why should we be doing this process? How do I engage you? How can I understand you? I heard, and I know time's up, but I heard this wonderful story. Someone went to a branch and the person was so fixated in the process, even though the person was unfolding their life story, they were just, oh, which product, would you like to buy this product? I'm like, holy mo, they're telling you about their siblings, their sister, and you can find these, that there's so many additional opportunities you can engage them. We need to be us. We need to be creative. We need to challenge. Let the solutions, the IT, the technology, the automation, the AI, do what it's good at. Systematic. It doesn't matter which side of the bed it wakes up. We need to constantly think about the next thing that can be done. That's the way I would see the future. And which to me is quite exciting. There's no turning point in the process. No. No, it's not... <laughs> That one's done. Yeah. <laughs> I, even this thing, you know, when they had this letter where they said, oh, stop AI. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. We, we can't stop ourselves. We are, we are hardwired for change, for innovation. You know, when your mother says, oh, don't touch that, that's hot. What's the first thing you do? <laughs> touch. It's never going to stop. So what we can do is embrace it with management, with compliance, with governance, but embraces and imagine what's the next thing that can be done. That's it. Generative AI is a knowledge management tool that can significantly improve an organization's efficiency. Mr. Hardoon, who dismissed the idea of halting AI development, said humans should embrace change with management, governance, and compliance. We should embrace AI and imagine what's the next thing that can be done, he said. This has been another episode of B-Side. Subscribe now and enjoy a new episode every week.